Hello and welcome to another Sunday Playlist podcast. This week we reach chapter 13 of the Book of Acts. The fledgling church in Antioch seemed to have got so many things right. They had a heart for the poor, they were resilient in the face of persecution, and the grace of God was evident amongst them. In today's passage, we can see they were also a multicultural church from the names mentioned at the start of chapter 13. Names like Niger and Lucius, both African names, Menaean, a local man who'd been brought up with the Jewish king Herod Antipas, and Barnabas, who we know was from Cyprus. We also know that they were open to hearing from God through prophecy, and Luke tells us they were a disciplined people who fasted and prayed and worshipped. What I found significant from this first part of the chapter was that it was while they were fasting and worshipping that they heard the Holy Spirit tell them to send Saul and Barnabas out on a mission trip. And it was a reminder to me that if we want to know what God wants us to do, and if we want to be fully prepared for the work he calls us to, it starts with personal worship and prayer. This is the fuel for Mission's Flame, as Matt Redman sings in the first song of today's podcast, and the aim of all evangelism, that people would be so mesmerised with the wonder of Jesus and what he'd done, that they too would join us in worship. This is called Let Worship Be the Fuel by Matt Redman. Every creature in the heavens and the earth 
Around the time of the early church, magic was practiced by both pagans and some Jews with the goals of healing diseases, bringing physical blessings, cursing or otherwise harming others, and also guarding against both curses and demons. Ancient literature such as Pliny's Natural History and discovered magical books from the time often involved special incantations, frequently involving names of deities and demons, potions and the use of magical objects such as amulets, incantation bowls and figurines. It all sounds so far from our experience, doesn't it, and our postmodern sensibilities. But as Paul meets a magician in this passage called Elymas, he was taking no chances. In fact, by the Holy Spirit, he seemed to discern that this man was not just some con man who was after making a quick book, preying on the superstitious hopes and fears of others, but that he was under the influence of the devil himself and was seeking to oppose the good news of the gospel. The result was him getting blinded by God. The end of this encounter with God's power was that the Roman proconsul believed. He saw the power of God and believed in Jesus. Now many would laugh at the thought of witches and magic spells, but there's been an increase in recent years of interest in alternative spirituality by those who've rejected organised religion but are aware of the human desire for something more than the physical world can offer. Psychic nights have become really popular and I've seen them advertised outside local pubs in my area as well as knowing friends who are exploring things like Reiki healing and consulting mediums. There's no denying there's power displayed in many of these things. The question I have is, where does that power come from? And does it bring you closer to God or does it put you further away? In his letter to the Corinthian church, Paul tells the early Christians that Satan himself disguises as an angel of light, apparently someone harmless. In fact, an angel of all that is good. My next song is by a guy called Carmen, in which he tells the true story of a Christian who was invited to the house of a modern day warlock. It might sound cheesy, like a lot of Carmen songs do, but the story couldn't be more serious, and it reminds me that while we may think we've moved past all that old-fashioned thinking about witches and demons, the Bible and our experience would beg to differ. This is called Witch's Invitation. One peaceful afternoon, I picked up from my mailbox the strangest looking letter I'd ever seen. A chilling little envelope bordered with flying bats and eerie serpents whose eyes were tinted green. Now the letter was addressed to me, so as I opened it, I froze. What I read turned my complexion three shades of blue. It said my name is Isaac Horowitz. I'm a male witch, a warlock, and I feel I need to spend some time with you. Now, as a Christian from a little church with God's call on my life, a man of faith and power with a challenge to grow, I did what any saint would do in my situation. I tore it up, said, Lord, no way I'm going to go. And gently and methodically, the Holy Spirit spoke and reminded me we're God's voice to our nation. It's the church's responsibility to witness. So reluctantly, I accepted it. 
Egyptian magicians did the same. It's as if you're sitting there in that stunned moment where your faith gets violated and all you feel is weak, powerless, and lame. I desperately and deeply prayed, saying, Jesus, give me wisdom. I don't want to put you through some foolish test. Then a shaft of light shot through my soul, igniting my eyes with fire. God stood me up and I threw the book back in his chest. I said, Isaac, I'll not compare God's miracles versus Satan's. The issue's not God's kingdom and Satan's lair. The real comparison is the condition of your soul and the condition of mine. And you puppet of the devil that I will compare. I said, my friend, one day they're coming for you. The soft associates in your incantations. The friendly demons you think you now control. 
The time will come when you'll be lying in bed, wheezing like a dying animal. When those spirits lay claim to the rights they own to your soul. Then the room will grow dark, and the most hideous evil faces you've ever seen will come flaming out of the floor with a yell. The vile informants that promised reincarnation will claw your spirit and victoriously drag your soul to hell. Then I grab the book and says, in that moment, which mantra, which incantation are you gonna chant to tell them to leave you alone? I said, my friend, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt what I would say, I am bought with the blood of Jesus, let me go! I said, Isaac, when you tossed that book in my lap, you gloated with a sinister victory. You rejoiced when you saw your name in black and white. Now I rejoice, but not that your council of demons are subject to Jesus, but that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Then Isaac jumped up from his chair and screamed, You must leave now! I said, I will, but one last obligation. Next time, think twice before you rumble with a man of God. And by the way, thanks for your um, witch's invitation. In a similar vein to my last song choice, I've picked a song that was based on a newspaper article in the 1970s upon which Keith Green based his composition. In the article, much like C.S. Lewis did in his famous book, The Screwtip Letters, the author embodies the person of Satan and boasts of all the reasons why nobody believes in him. Like many of Keith Green's songs, some of his lyrics are really clever, humorous, and yet also incredibly hard-hitting and thought-provoking. Lines such as, Everyone likes a winner. With my help, you're guaranteed to win. Hey man, you ain't no sinner. Now you've got the truth within. And, Oh, my job keeps getting easier. As day slips into day, the magazines, the newspapers, print every word I say. This world is just my spinning top. It's all like child's play. Now, whilst I believe the truth to be a little bit more nuanced than Keith, there is still incredible beauty in the world and so much reflection of the image of God. No one would deny that the media feeds off negative stories and imagery, and there's always plenty of content available. Some people find it hard to believe in God, and I can understand that. Others find it hard to believe in a devil, and I can understand that too. But that does leave us with questions as both to the source of the world's incredible beauty and its incredible ugliness. The Bible and narrative affirms both the goodness of God, the selfishness of man, and the evil influence of Satan and his demons. To me, that still makes the most sense of the world we still live in. This is No One Believes In Me Anymore by Keith Green. Some truth in every lie to tickle itching ears. You know, I'm drawing people just like flies, cause they like what they hear. I'm gaining power by the hour, they're falling by the score. You know, it's getting very simple now. state of mind, my books read on your shelf, 
What's in a name? Nowadays, parents often name their children after late family members, after a place the child might have been conceived, such as Brooklyn, or just to be different from whatever the common names are at the time. Some celebrities have given their babies some really bizarre names, such as Ed Sheeran's child, Lyra Antarctica, Chris Martin's daughter, Apple, or perhaps the most bizarre of them all, Elon Musk's child, who's named X-A-A-X-I-I, apparently pronounced X-Ash. Hmm, good luck with that one at school. My name, Ian Michael Peacock, was given to me because my mum said I looked like a little imp. It's only in preparing this podcast I actually research what an imp is. According to Wikipedia, the obvious first place for research of any kind, an imp is a European mythological being similar to a fairy or demon, frequently described in folklore and superstition. The word may perhaps derive from the term imp, used to denote a young grafted tree. Imps are often described as mischievous, more than seriously threatening, and lesser beings rather than more important supernatural beings. The attendants of the devil are sometimes described as imps. They are usually described as lively and having small stature. Hmm, I'm not sure if I should be thanking my parents or criticising them, but it could have been a lot worse than Ian, couldn't it, I suppose? Names in the Bible were really important. Often children were named to reflect God's intervention in the life of the parent, such as Isaac, which means he laughs due to the fact that both Abraham and Sarah laughed when God told them they were going to have a child at such an old age. We also see how God changes people's names when he calls them to something new, such as when Jesus told Simon that now he would be called Peter, which means rock, 
because he was going to be one of the foundations of the church. His old life was in the past, and so his name died with it. In last week's passage, we saw how Peter found himself in prison, awaiting execution. But as God has not finished with him yet, his chains were miraculously broken by God's angel, and he was released to continue to be one of the foundations of the early church. In this week's passage, Luke mentioned loads of people with different names, and some of them had significant meanings. Amongst them, Saul, who was also called Paul, the name by which he would now become known as he helped spread the gospel further afield in the Roman world. However, all of these people knew that regardless of their own personal name, they were going in the name of one whose name was above all other names, the only name that has power to heal, to restore and to break chains, the only name given by which all men and women must be saved, the name of Jesus. This song is called Break Every Chain and the version I've picked is by Meredith Brooks because she's got such a beautiful voice. So, enjoy. In the name of 
The final song today is Who You Say I Am. It was written by the songwriting team of Australian megachurch Hillsong, but the version I've chosen is by a much less well-known guy called Xander. He's a guy with dreadlocks. He obviously lives a bit of a hippie lifestyle. It's quite different from the original, with a change of time signature and a more of a reggae feel as he plays his ukulele as a lead instrument. Whatever name our parents gave us, in spite of the nicknames we may have picked up along the way and the reputations we have with others, our primary identity is, and always will be, as God's children. Whatever we think about ourselves, and however others may see us, how God views us is always the most important thing, and he looks at our hearts. Final song today is Who You Say I Am by Xander. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun says free, always oh, free. Ransomed me, oh, his grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. Yeah, Who the sun sets free, always free. Father's house There's a place